Hi, this is Sandy Rios, and you're listening to Sandy Rios 24-7. Today, we have, uh, we're going to go to Brooklyn. Uh, we're going to visit a prisoner in the Brooklyn jail named Jacob Lang. He's there because he's one of the J6 prisoners. He's been incarcerated for 772 days without a trial, without a hearing. It's just an amazing story. It's one of many. Jacob has also produced a movie, in fact, two movies while he's been there. He's written a book. He started a legal fund. He's a remarkable young man. He's only 27 years old, and he will be our guest in just a second. Uh, But by the way, just some nuts and bolts. Uh, You can call us and leave a message or comment on anything we're talking about if you call 662-821-2040. Or you can find us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Getter, Truth Social, YouTube, or Rumble. And you can find us uh, on on podcast platforms everywhere. Of course, our home base is AFR.net, but you can find us on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon. So uh, that's kind of the nuts and bolts of reaching us. And we couldn't do this if it weren't for sponsors like Preborn. Uh, Preborn has made it possible for women who are pregnant and don't want to be pregnant. It's a surprise. It's unwelcome to get free ultrasounds, which are very detailed and show the details of the baby, the fingers, the the gender, and it revolutionizes their minds. It usually, more than half of them, uh, choose to keep their babies after they see details and actually meet their baby for the first time. If you would like to help provide one of those ultrasounds, it's only $28. That's it, $28. $140 provides five ultrasounds, Uh, So some of you are able to do more than that, and if you are, we would welcome your generosity. Many of you have already been very generous. And so if you would like to support Preborn, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. All right, well, you're in for a treat. This is quite the discussion. And so sit back and relax and listen to the next edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. The most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. As of today, we're going to announce a first-in-the-nation measure, our health, a vaccine mandate. Their whole purpose throughout history has been to teach a small number of people how to become adept at controlling everyone else. attacked by China, and they flipped this election. Joe Biden is destroying America. Empty shells left and right. Washington is being turned into a fortress. Vaccines will be available for children from 5 to 11. Welcome! You know, the mandates are one of the reasons you can't get anybody to work for you. It's going to destroy the American economy. 
15,000 fully armed members of the National Guard and called out to face them. Stop the steal. The Biden regime wants to shut down more pipelines. It's the 196th country on earth for keeping track. It's called Chaz. Our whole life is about choice. We live in a free country to choose our, our, what we want to do and what we choose to do. Get out of this property immediately. Get out. So don't need anybody's permission. What is a woman? Did you tell me that? Did you say free fries when you get vaccinated? All right, Sandy Rios with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. That's the opening to a movie called Freedom Isn't Free, and it's produced by our next guest. His name is Jacob Lang, and he is incarcerated in the D.C. jail slash gulag, uh, and he joins us today. Good morning, Jacob. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Sandy. Good morning. God bless you. Yes, the same right back to you, Jake. Uh, all right, there's so much to ask you. Um uh, let, let's come back to the movie, but I want to say that what you've laid out in the movie, from my perspective, is a much broader view. It, of course, includes what happened on January the 6th, the way the political prisoners like yourself have been treated, but the unraveling of the country. And it's an excellent piece. Freedom isn't free. It was just very thought-provoking, and I highly recommend it. If you go to j6truth.org, uh, you can watch that movie, and we'll we will come back to that. But Jacob, back just you know, remember. I know you've done a lot of interviews, um, but you're new to my audience, so I have to ask you some rudimentary things that you've been over a million times. And first of all, how many days now have you been incarcerated in the D.C. jail? Uh, today is day seven hundred and seventy-two of my political imprisonment without a trial, over twenty-five months, um, waiting away for my chance of justice uh, to vindicate myself and all the Gen Sixers who are brave American patriots who stood up peacefully um, to protect this country from communist uh, despotic tyranny. Yeah. How old are you, Jacob? I'm 27 years old, turning 28. It'll be my third birthday in prison this April 7th. Wow. All right. Well, uh, we've talked to the people in the jail, your fellow prisoners, on more than one occasion, but never to you. And it makes me wonder, you know, I have to ask it, how many of you are left now in the D.C. jail? Um, their number is growing, unfortunately, because more people are getting convicted and getting these ridiculous jail sentences. So we have political prisoners strewn throughout the country um, in prisons all around the country. In D.C. jail, there's about... Um, 30 Gen Sixers left waiting trial. Um, in Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary, there's about 25 Gen Sixers there waiting trial. And then there's a few other places like Alexandria and Northern Neck Regional Jail in Virginia um, that they're holding us. And I'm actually got shipped to my 12th prison. They move me around a lot. I'm in Brooklyn, uh, New York, in a federal prison here. In a, in a oh, very you're in Brooklyn. Spot. Okay. Oh. Well, first of all, it goes without saying, Jacob, that that's just heartrending. But I, I, I'm not going to even waste my time telling you how sorry I am. I want to talk to you about how we can help. I, I just comes to mind. I saw Attorney General, um, the Attorney General recently, uh, holding, you know, folded his arms and looked up with the most arrogant as he look as he announced that he's going to be going after more people 
who were at the Capitol on J6. And it just reminded me, uh, yesterday I was reading in the book of Amos, I'm going to start with this, um, it reminded me of this, but you have turned justice into poison and the fruit of righteousness into wormwood. And then the end of the fifth chapter, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. I don't know when we're going to get justice, Amen. but you're, you're going to get it at some point, Jacob, and so is the Attorney General. Uh, but, um, all right, I want people will want to know, of course, um, what they are charging you with. They want to know. My understanding is that they are charging you with attacking a police officer. Is that correct? Yes, they have multiple allegations of assault um, on police officers that they're using against me and also many, many other, literally 250 other Jan Sixers. And all of our alleged assaults revolve around different scenarios. Mine and many other political prisoners around me revolves around the fact that Roseanne Boylan was murdered right before our very eyes and we were uh, defending her and other people's lives from the Capitol Police assault, they were brutalizing people and using chemical weapons on people and projectiles that were literally blowing people's faces apart. Um, And they were injuring, severely injuring, and even killing people. Four unarmed American citizens died at the Capitol that day, and zero Capitol Police officers did. And many patriots, such as myself, took defensive action to defend ourselves, the people around us, the women and elderly people around us, and also our country. I mean, this is, at the end of the day, the people's house. This is our country, and they're doing a coup d'etat inside the Senate chambers that day. And so, you know, we have every right to stand up um, and and do what we did on January 6th. Our founding fathers would have done the same exact thing, Sandy, no doubt about it. You know, Jacob, I have... you know, I, most of my audience keeps up with this, um, and I've certainly talked about I've been talking about it since January 6th, uh, the original January 6th. My husband and I were, were, were planning on going, and he had an injury. Uh, so we've talked about this steadily with experts. I've covered it. I've watched the videos. and that I have, But I have to explain that in that, tu- in that tunnel, that famous tunnel, um, there was such a surge of humanity, and there was such a, a heavy cloud of the, you couldn't breathe. And Roseanne Boylan can be seen beaten by, uh, I believe that she's a D.C. Metro cop named Ny- Nyla- Lila Morris. I think she struck her, I don't remember how many times, but you can see it. She strikes her, and Roseanne is just this kind of, excuse my expression, but sort of plump, young, middle-aged, young, middle-aged woman who, single gal who went by herself, completely harmless. And Lila Morris is beating her mercilessly, and I know that many of you have been charged for trying to help uh, to help uh, Roseanne. It wasn't just Roseanne, though. It was... There was another woman beaten in that tunnel whose name always escapes me, Jacob. Do you remember right off? And she wasn't killed, but she was beaten mercilessly. Uh, Victoria White was also beaten mercilessly, passed around like a rag doll and punched in the face um, by dozens of different cops. And that that woman is lucky to be alive. She's actually on trial right now um, in Washington, D.C., these sham trials they have us on where they're trying to paint us like domestic terrorists. But really, we're a bunch of, you know, red-blooded Americans who were there, and all of a sudden they start killing people in front of us. Like, they, they killed Roseanne Boylan in my arm, Sandy. She died um, as I was trying to help save her. She was stuck underneath a, a dog pile of human bodies that the Capitol Police created when they pummeled and 
brutalized people in, into a into a swimming pool pile of people where the people at the very bottom, such as Roseanne and Philip Anderson, a man I was later able to save, and all this is documented a video on my documentary. And so, you know, you could you could listen to the story about it right now, but you can also check it out on j6truth.org and watch these things and get, you know, informed and, and, and arm yourself with the truth um, because the truth is what's going to bring that justice to come rolling down and cascading <laughs> down one day. Um, yep. The truth will come to light and it will set us free. Um, and we're waiting for that day very, very patiently, Sandy, unfortunately. You know, I want to, Philip Anderson is an interesting uh, character because uh, I did, I've, on my morning radio show, I talked about Philip way before J6 because Philip was a black activist in California who was leading these freedom rallies uh, leading up to the 2020 election. Uh, he was a pro Trump guy, um, and at one of those, Antifa showed up and beat him mercilessly, you know, just destroyed the event. Uh, of course, nobody did anything. Philip's uh, teeth were knocked out. He's, he does a video bleeding from the mouth. I'll never forget him. And so then that didn't stop him. He actually went to J6, and he is the person you just described that you can see in videos uh, being, you know, uh, trampled. He's ne- right next to Roseanne Boylan. I think he says, Jake, that he actually was holding her hand. I think that's that's part of his testimony. He's been very open about that. But, of course, no one wants to talk about that because yep. he's the wrong kind of J6-er, right? Oh, no. I mean, he is the epitome of a Jan 6 I love Philip. We've, be, we've grown very, uh, you know, very close, and we've become brothers. And, you know, he is a guy that was willing to stand up and, and, and for our country's freedom. Every single Jan 6 in my book is, is a hero. And... He's willing to stand up for our country's freedom on multiple occasions. On January 6th, when I came and uh, picked him up out of that dog pile when he was unconscious and um, barely holding on to life, and I dragged him down to the volunteer medics who resuscitated him and saved his life, he had no front teeth. It was, um, you know, he he was looking pretty gruesome and pretty uh, battered and bloody and beaten up. And, um, you know, that's just, he bears the, the scars of liberty on his body, and God bless him. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, what it, happened to people him? like Jacob. that and his testimony, being a black man on the steps of the Capitol, uh, nearly beaten to death by police officers, um, that you'll never hear on CNN. You'll never hear that testimony in the mainstream news media because it doesn't fit their agenda. They don't right. really care about black lives. It's not about uh, the police beating up black people because it happened at the Capitol. They don't cover it because it doesn't fit their narrative and their agenda. It's not, you know, they're not uh, objective in, in their, their, you know, calls that black lives matter. It's that, you know, only ones that are, uh, you know, in the inner cities in, in the protests for liberal and Marxist ideologies, those are the ones that matter, not Philip Anderson because he's a conservative. Hey, Jake, what happened to Philip? I mean, was he arrested? Has he been punished in any way? Or did they leave no, him alone? No, they had ran... The FBI and the federal government and the prosecutors have ran so far away from that dumpster fire, which is a black man almost being beaten to death by an unarmed black man, almost being beaten to death on the steps of the Capitol um, by police officers. They have refused to charge him and left him alone because it is um, kind of one of those scenarios where it's so poignant um, that they're treating, you know, 
the Antifa and the Black Lives Matter rioters and protesters differently than they, they are Philip Anderson. Um, they, you know what I mean? They, they just scoured away. They just scurried away. Um, they, they're feckless. And um, I'm really glad that Philip, you know, has been able to maintain his freedom and, and continue to be such a strong and outspoken proponent uh, for us. And- you know, at some point, I'd like to interview him also. I just, I would love to do that. But, uh, Jake, uh, now, but this is something that people, this is something I'm asking, because when we went into January 6th, we all were supporting the police. My husband is a former FBI agent, when the agency actually meant something. Uh, and we, you know, we wait, we have the flag on our flagpole defending police. We all... Uh, we know that they're not all one, you know, not all perfect, but for the most part, we defend our police. That's a big deal in our house and in all the patriots that went there on J6. And of course, when my understanding is when the firebombs started raining down on the crowd, which was peaceful and actually injuring people. And as you described in the opening there, someone's face was burned and damaged and someone else's pants caught fire. The crowd sort of turned. Were you in that place where the the uh, cap, the police were firing firebombs and other? I'm not sure what else the other thing was. It was one of the uh, like mace had, or something like that. They had tear gas canisters. They had flash grenades. They had um, rubber bullets. They had pepper ball bullets, which are you know pepper spray inside of a paintball that shot at a high velocity. And those they were shooting indiscriminately in the crowd. And there was actually. Um, busting through people's sides of people's faces um, and putting holes in people's cheeks and uh, really maiming some people. Uh, I was there for that. I I arrived at about 2 p.m. I scurried up the scaffolding to get a better view of uh, the protest. And from there, I was able to videotape down into the crowd and see um, what was the first thing that I saw that was not kosher, was the Capitol Police take an unarmed woman and drag her up over the bike racks, um, kind of the barrier that they had set up, a semicircle, and they dragged her about, you know, 10, 20 yards behind the police line, and they Rodney King-style beat her um, on the ground, kicking and uh, landing blows with the baton. About uh, six to eight officers were over top of her, and I looked over to the man that's on my right, and I said, they're being out of that poor kid and he says dude that's a lady and when i saw that uh the, the whole entire everything changed for me i mean my blood ran cold i realized you know people are going to die out here the capitol police are are they're being irresponsible and and even much worse they're being um overtaken by a demonic force to attack the very people that they've sworn an oath to protect uh the american citizen the people who are there in the name of the constitution the people who uh, make up this country, the hard workers, the, the, the humble, great, great red-blooded American. They turned their weapons against their own people that day. They broke their, their sworn oath to uphold the Constitution and protect and save American lives. And they had, they had an all-out assault on us. Jacob, that, that was, uh, that's on video, that beating, isn't it? Yes, the, uh, yeah, beating. I didn't know it was a woman. Too. I never know this, knew this until this moment. I did not know that was a woman. Uh, now, look, uh, you know, I'm sure you've thought about, I'm confident you've thought about this a whole lot more than I have, but the question begs, you know, some police there had to have been friendly and good, and I think they might have been punished. Some let people into the Capitol. 
was it possible for you to distinguish uh, that, or see that there was some police that were, uh, you know, because there were various kinds of police. There were Capitol Police, there were D.C. Metro, which would not be friends to the to to people coming to the Capitol to protest the election. Uh, and there were other brands of police as well. Did you see anyone that was uh, that did not follow this, uh, that was not hostile to, to the protesters? So... You know, it's very crazy because on the west side of the Capitol, it was like Custard's last stand. They were given a speech when we entered into the tunnel. They were given a speech before we entered into the tunnel. The Capitol Police officer, I think the sergeant in arms, um, said a speech to them like, this is where we hold the line, like it's us or them, like, you know, fight to the death which was completely unnecessary because at the other side of the Capitol, the Capitol Police are fist-bumping protesters, waving them inside, taking selfies with them, and they realized that, you know, uh, walking in and out of the people's house um, is not so great of an infraction as to poise yourselves against uh, hundreds of thousands of pissed-off people and create a deadly scenario like where Roseanne died and Philip almost died. And... You know, so there were plenty of Capitol Police officers that did their duty and preserved human life and let the people exercise their right to redress their grievance and to peacefully assemble. And then there were other Capitol Police officers that unlaunched uh, a brutal assault and attack on the, the protesters and basically riled us all up into, you know, fight or flight, um, live or die defense mode. And so we had to defend ourselves and our country. And you know, we're not backing down. This is our country. This is our land. That's our house. And, you know, we're here to have our voices heard. We're not here to be to be killed and murdered at the hands of redcoats. Yeah. Jacob, it seems uh, there, it's clear that what ensued on that day was complete chaos, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, and designed by design. We know that the President Trump had asked for uh, National Guard to come. He'd put a official request. They refused it. Uh, my friend um, uh, Mike Waller joined me the day after January 6th to tell – he's an international expert on international terrorism and movements and communism. And he went down because he lives close to the Capitol on that day. So I had him on, on the 7th, and he described that there were such a small police presence that he was amazed that there was just no knowing that hundred you know nearly a million people were coming to the capitol that that just by precaution they didn't have some sort of presence with a national guard just to you know set the stage for keeping peace uh, but Nancy Pelosi and the others just denied it and we know a lot more now I, I think we could be pretty confident that something nefarious was really happening in fact uh, that picture with Ray Epps Ray Epps the, is the big guy just for people that are not following this closely with a big booming voice who's seen at least in three different, at least in three different places, encouraging people to go to the Capitol and then to break down the gate. And the guy next to him in that video where uh, he whispers in the guy's ear and then the guy goes after the gate, the guy that he whispers to looks like, okay, this is speculation on my part. He just looks like the prototypical FBI agent in civilian clothes to me. I don't know what your thoughts are about that. If you know anything further about it, do you? Well, yeah, I do know a lot. Um, Ryan Tamsel is my celly for two months. I've known him for a long time. He's a great American patriot, a brave guy, rough and tough kind of dude. And, um, you know, that that first thing that transpired there at the cap, I think that was 
the, the spirit of revolution was upon the people, um, you know, not, not to kill or to destroy or anything, but to have our voices heard and to no longer sit back by and, and let our consent um, just give the free pass to what was happening inside that building, which is the, the bought and sold sell-off of America to the Chinese communists. Um, Joe Biden is a Chinese communist puppet, and we all know that, and he represents tyranny. And so the American people stood up, and we did what was necessary to do. I don't buy into all of the conspiracies and all of the, you know, this was a huge plot um, orchestrated by different agents inside the crowd and stuff. Of course, I believe that the FBI was um, inside the crowd. They may have been doing certain maneuvers. Um, the Antifa was there riling people up and stuff like that. But I can tell you the overall um, vibe, the overall spirit that rested upon the crowd was one of, of, fine, of, of standing up and pushing back. And I believe in my heart of hearts that the Founding Fathers would have been there on January 6th with us doing the same thing, and that regardless if there was an FBI agent in the crowd or not, or an Antifa member in the crowd or not, the same exact thing would have transpired on January 6th, because you had hundreds of thousands of pissed off American patriots willing to do what was necessary to defend our country. And that's where I firmly stand on that. Jacob, uh, let me just uh, take a minute to point out that you've started a legal fund because um, what's happened is that a lot of these guys who've been held around the country, a lot of them in the D.C. Gulag and Jacob is in Brooklyn now, I have had terrible representation. They've all had, well, I guess there's a few exceptions, but not many. And when they're tried in D.C., of course, there's just no hope because the juries are hopelessly poisoned. They hate um, they, they generally hate uh, American patriots, and they just uh, the judges must too in D.C. because they give horrible sentences to the people that do finally make their way to trial. And Jacob has uh, started, and his and people behind him have started J6 Legal Fund, J6 Legal Fund, where 100 percent, 100 percent of the money will go to uh, defending the prisoners. And and do you want to say a word about that, Jacob? And then I want then I have a lot of so much to ask you. Just can you want to? S- Fill in the blanks a little bit of about course. J6 Legal Fund. Yeah, please. So, you know, part of the reason, actually the main reason why we do the documentaries, why I do all the interviews I do, uh, my podcast I run from prison, El Gateway Pundit, uh, the book that I've written from prison called Patriot Prisoner, the reason behind everything we do is just to raise funds and raise awareness and spread the truth to January 6th. And part of that campaign uh, is the January 6th Legal Fund, started by me and my team with J6Truth.org. And we've been really successful recently in raising small amount of funds. I mean, you know, we're at 190000 right now out of a total goal of 500000 which we are so grateful and blessed to have received. But the need is so great, Sandy, and lawyers are not cheap. And we have like 35 guys in our pipeline who still need attorneys who are looking for help um, with appeals, who are looking with help for uh, change of venue motions and bond motions and you name it. And so we're doing good, but we we need to step up our fundraising efforts a lot more. So anybody who's listening right now, um, the best thing you could do to help out the Jan Sixers is to to pray to God, obviously, for us and see what he puts on your heart to be able to donate um, for us on uh, j6truth.org. There's a bunch of uh, donation links there. Just click on any button there, and it'll take you to the um, Give, Send, Go page. And, you know, everything we do with the J6 Legal Fund, it's 100% transparent. 
Um, all of the money, there's nobody who takes a salary. All of the money goes to getting lawyers for the Jan Fishers, and we negotiate with these attorneys. We get patriot um, conservative attorneys who are willing to go the full measure and fight in federal court um, in trial for these Jan Fixers. And it's really important that we support those people who stood up to support and to defend our country and not leave them um, hanging with these uh, liberal public defenders who say things to us, Sandy, like, um, you guys were there that day to steal our vote. I mean, that lawyer obviously does not have your best interests at heart. Um, they're diametrically opposed to you as a person, your political beliefs, and they're going to sell you down the river on a, on a horrible plea deal. So we're replacing all these court-appointed attorneys one by one with Patriot attorneys through the J6 Legal Fund, and we need everybody's help. So please right. go to j6truth.org and, uh, and let God just move on your heart to be generous. You know, we hear in the Word that, um, you know, those who um, water others will be watered in return, and um, those who give from their heart will be replenished uh, in tenfold. Um, so let's, you know, let's do the, the right thing here by, by me and by all the Jan Sixers, and we ask you guys uh, humbly and, and very gratefully. So thank everybody who, who's willing to donate. Thank you guys so much. Wow, that was quite a narrative from Jacob Lang. I mean, I know a lot of that, but he filled in a lot of the blanks that I didn't know about. I hope that you found that as compelling as I did. Uh, we will do a second date with Jacob where he gets into more of his personal story, so I don't think you're going, going to want to miss that. Uh, but um, in just a few minutes, Bruce is going to join me, my husband Bruce, former FBI agent, to talk about his thoughts about what Jacob said in that first part, so I hope you'll stay tuned. Uh, but meanwhile, we'll take just a tiny break. Don't go away. Sandy Rios 24-7 is growing, and we want to help you grow, too. If your business or nonprofit is interested in sponsoring Sandy Rios 24-7, you can email us at infoagemedia 247 at gmail.com. That's infoagemedia 247 at gmail.com. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Well, welcome back to Sandy Rios 24-7. You know what? We're really enjoying doing this. In just a second, Bruce and I are going to talk about what we just heard from Jacob because I thought that was pretty amazing. But you might have some thoughts also. If you would like to call us with questions or comments, you can do that at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. Or you can write us at sandy at afr.net. And remember, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Instagram, Getter, Truth Social, YouTube, and Rumble. And you can find us on any podcast uh, platform that you like to choose, but home base is AFR.net for us. So AFR.net or Apple, Spotify, Amazon, fill in the blanks. Any of those will work. We have a great sponsor. I'm so proud that Preborn has chosen to sponsor this show. And one of the things that Preborn does that I've talked about a great deal is provide ultrasounds for women who are considering aborting their babies. You know, while our administration considers declaring a public health emergency on abortion, the battle is far from over. Overturning Roe versus Wade was huge, but let's not forget this. Day after day, young women, scared young women, who don't think they have any options, are choosing abortion. Preborn network clinics 
have rescued over 200,000 babies. The majority of the women who come to their clinics are being pressured to abort. Preborn seeks those women out before they make that choice and introduces them to the life growing inside of them through a free ultrasound. And we, you and I, are the fuel that allows Preborn to offer these young women ultrasounds for free. Once a mom, a potential mom, a budding mom, hears the heartbeat and sees that precious life, the majority of the time she does choose life. Just $28, that's what an ultrasound costs, $28 is all it costs. $140 provides five ultrasounds. How about we save some lives today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that because abortion doesn't stop, so we can't stop. Just go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy and make your most generous uh, donation. All right, I've asked Bruce to join me as we often do uh, to close the show because as his his work as a former FBI agent, I know Bruce, you must have a lot of mixed feelings about listening to that. Do you? Absolutely, because being former law enforcement, my natural instinct is to want to believe that the police acted correctly. And I've told people on this show before that I've investigated several civil rights allegations against officers for excessive force. And in 95 plus percent, I came out not only thinking the officer was justified, but that usually he or she showed incredible restraint before he did use violence or she did use uh, not violence, but force against a defendant. And, um, I'll tell you, after watching some of the footage that's been released about January 7th or January 6th, I find myself appalled by the behavior of so many of the police on that day. Yeah, just like the Lila Morris, the D.C. Metro Police woman who mercilessly beat oh. Roseanne Boylan, who's lying helplessly on the ground, just beating her, beating her, beating her, beating her. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that looked really really bad, like almost as if the officer was enjoying it. She had her down and just kept up. There was no reason to continue that beating. Do you know that she got an award for valor or, or for, for what what courageous thing she did on J6? Lila Morris did while, you know, Roseanne Boylan died. I just don't, I don't understand that. Well, there's, I think there's been an incredible lack of accountability on the part of, especially the Capitol Police and the, and the Metro Police, uh, the shooting of Ashley Babbitt, I mean, that, that I watched the video again last night, and I see no reason for that officer to have used deadly force against Ashley Babbitt. You know, uh, Bruce, I've seen video that's not, I don't know if you could find it online, but it's video of Roseanne, uh, Roseanne of Ashley Babbitt trying to talk those guys who were right there at that pain out of doing what they were doing because they were trying to break that window and they looked very suspicious to me. And remember, maybe you don't remember, but I'll tell you that the police, there were police right there on that side of the window pane who disappeared uh, during the time this was happening. And you can see Ashley trying to talk these guys out of this. Now, why she climbed up that window, I don't think we know. Some People say that she was trying to escape, uh, and she didn't know where to go. She couldn't go behind. And then the doctor that treated her, Mm -hmm. there's video now of him bending over, trying to treat her, and uh, one of the policemen pulling him away and dragging him, like angry with him. And he's telling him, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor. 
Uh, it's there. There are bizarre moments, and I'm hoping that the footage that's been released will actually fill in the blanks on that a little bit more. Well, I think we can see why uh, Nancy Pelosi, when she was in charge of the footage, did not release it because there's so much exculpatory or what we call exculpatory evidence, which is evidence that is helpful to people that have been charged with crimes. Uh, So much of the aggression that day was on the part of the police. And look, I understand it's a scary situation. You've got a big uh, crowd of people. They're getting angry. But uh, that's your job as a police officer is you have to maintain your constitutional duty. And uh, from what I saw on a lot of that footage that is now coming out, uh, they did anything but that. One of the things that was missing, big time missing, uh, on the footage that people saw on television after this was the thousands and thousands of moms and dads and kids and elderly just going to the Capitol, most of them just peacefully, like if any of us that that have been to Trump rallies or you and I were at that first Tea Party Mm -hmm. uh, meeting in in, uh, September before all of this ever happened. And it was a wonderful event because people were just so sweet and loving and clean and picked up after themselves. And they were there to uh, support their country. And that's the kind of people that were there on January 6th. There probably were some exceptions in that crowd. Uh, But still, the peaceful part of it, Mike Waller, who joined me as I described with Jacob, uh, the day after January 6th, he's a national security expert, international communism expert, and, you know, disturbances overseas. He knows all about this. He was there to observe the whole thing on January the 6th. And one of the things that he pointed out to me was that they were just peace people, just people, strollers, older people being held by other people in wheelchairs, uh, families. Uh, it was just this cheerful, wonderful, uh, festive atmosphere, people wanting to do something about what had happened in the election in the right way and how it got to be so perverse. I just, I see uh, Jacob doesn't want to latch on to the notion that there was some subversive movement. I believe there was. I think he's, uh, I think he's wrong about that. Uh, but anyway, that's, so we're going to do a part two with him. And in part two, Jacob gets more into, I get more personal with him about how he, became a Christian because he certainly is one. He, in his correspondence with me, uh, it's just uh, obvious. But that happened in a miraculous way, and that's what he talks about in the second uh, edition with uh, Jacob. So I hope that you'll stay tuned. I think you'll enjoy it. Bruce, thanks for joining me, honey. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. So uh, all right. So there you go. Stay tuned and be sure and listen to part two with our discussion of Jacob Lane. This has been Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. <laughs>